0: That's exciting. You wipe your hands on your pants after you pick up an earthworm, Seventh Generation is like, don't worry, hug a dirty tree, huff some bark, it's good for you. That is the power of Seventh Generation. Find laundry detergent and other laundry products at seventhgeneration.com. I love worms. I know I usually save my secrets for the end of the episode, but I'm gonna tell you my secret favorite candy. It's Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. It's really Reese's anything, but Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the thing that I'm like, have I had a bad day? I get these. Have I had a good day? I get these. Chocolate salty peanut butter, the textures. I love everything about them. Also that there's two. So I'm like, oh, I get this one for later, which is one second later. Anyway, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. I love you. That's all. If you're me, you can shop Reese's Peanut Butter Cups now at a store near you. Found wherever candy is sold. And I am. Oh, hey, it's a lady in front of you in the checkout with 26 items. Who doesn't realize she's in the express lane and is fully oblivious to your glares? Allie Ward. So hi, this is an episode of Smologies, which we've made classroom safe so you can listen with your little ones. So the full episodes are obviously a little more spicier, more in detail, but Smologies are safe to listen to around anyone. So I hope you enjoy this. If you're looking for the full length version, it's linked in the show notes. Okay, Scorpiology. Yes, this is a real ology. It's a subset of arachnology, arachnids. And scorpion comes from the Greek. Are you ready for this? For Scorpion. Okay, that is not something that made me say, oh my god. All right, we covered myths about scorpions, what big pinchers mean, some movie magic, how lethal are these critters, glow-in-the-dark magic, and also where is their butt? So bust out your blacklight, keep your ears on alert for STEM advocate, science communicator, researcher, expedition leader, and curator at the California Academy of Sciences, Scorpiologist, Dr. Lauren Esposito. Oh, Okay, so you are, I looked this up, you're an arachnologist, Yes. but I saw that there is a
1: subset that is Scorpiology. There is Yay! Scorpiology, so I'm, a sc- I'm technically speaking a Scorpiologist. No. at what point when you were studying them did you say, Holy macaroni! These are cool. Uh, you know, it was really, it started when I was doing that undergraduate internship and I realized, like, man, Scorpions are amazing for so many reasons. How do you get ready for this? Okay, here we go. Here we go. One, they were the first terrestrial arthropod predators. So before anything else was on land, scorpions came on land, these little beasts. They weren't little then. They were like, the ancestors of scorpions were like a meter. <gasps> they were huge. Three feet? Yeah, three feet. What? Maybe even bigger. <clears throat> and they were these like underwater marine predators that were like ruling the oceans at the time. And and eventually some people have hypothesized that because we found these um ancient trackways alongside rivers of scorpions, mm-hmm. so they're little footprints embedded in rock. Well, it was mud that turned into rock over time. Um and and they've hypothesized that they were actually became amphibious and were coming up on the land to eat spawning fish oh like grizzlies right you know grizzlies like come in the river and eat the spawning fish they were doing the same thing but they were like the size of grizzlies and they were scorpions comes to scorpions the bigger the better
0: oh my god i literally am having like vertigo like i can't just imagining a scorpion the size of like a kiddie pool just just like like an alligator
1: Basically, like an alligator, they were these. They were called eurypterids, the ancestors of scorpions. And eventually, the gills that they had to breathe underwater were internalized, and that allowed them to live on land. And so, the scorpions of today basically look identical to the scorpions of 450 million years ago. So they've been on Earth forever, right? So we can ask all kinds of questions about what happened on Earth in the last 450 million years by trying to understand the, the evolutionary history of scorpions. And so, how do you think they got littler and littler? Well, there's a like the main driving factor behind why insects and arachnids are not as big as they used to be, as big as the fossils we find, is the uh, oxygen percentage in in the air in the atmosphere. Oh, because scorpions. And spiders and insects all basically passively respire, so they don't breathe. They don't have lungs where they're breathing in and out, Um, and they don't have uh, closed circulatory systems. They just kind of have blood that like gets pumped around by a heart, just open up in their body, Mm -hmm. and and so the rate at which oxygen can get to all their tissues that they need for walking around and moving and eating and doing all the things Mm -hmm. is limited by how much uh, concentration of oxygen there is in the air. And over time, the oxygen concentration has gone down.
0: So Lauren explained that when life started coming on land and there were more and more air-breathing critters, the carbon dioxide output increased and the oxygen levels went down. So when you have less fuel, you downsize. So think of turning in a Hummer for a Fiat, but slowly as a result of evolution okay so apart from the last 450 million years of history where can we find scorpions
1: and so where do scorpions live clearly not in new york city oh my gosh they live basically everywhere that that there's not major freezes for long parts of the year okay so like like imagine a place scorpions and you're there's Probably scorpions there. They're not in Antarctica. Mm -hmm. They're also not in the Arctic because it's cold. It's like snow on the ground all year round. But they are in places like the Alps, so you wouldn't expect them to be in the Alps or like the the upper reaches of the Andes, like in Argentina, there's scorpions. The my real area of speciality is the Neotropics. So I go to the Caribbean to the Central America, South America. But I've been to places like islands off the coast of of uh equatorial Africa. Um Southeast Asia, I don't know, I've been like all over the world looking for those little buggers.
0: And now, tell me a little bit about the basic structure of a scorpion. Like, what are we dealing with? Because I feel like they got crab in the front,
1: they got snake face in the back with the venom, like... They got the business end in the back. <laughs> yeah, what's... It's like a mullet, right? So, so scorpions, like all arachnids, have have two primary body parts. They have a, a prosoma, which is the, like the head. Mm-hmm. And they have a, a, a pistosoma, which is like the body. So like picture a spider, there's two main chunks. Mm-hmm. But scorpions have this extra little business end, which is the tail. And their prosoma and epistosoma are sort of fused. So, so there's not like a real delineation between the head and the body. And then up in the front, they have uh, two pairs of appendages. They have chelicerae, which are their mouth parts. And they have these chewing mouth parts that they use basically to like rip up...
0: Meat. It is raw meat.
1: ...before they get it down their gullet. Mm-hmm. And so their eyes are on the top of their head. Yeah, like mm-hmm. facing up towards the sky. How many eyes do they have? Uh, it depends, but usually they all have, almost all have three sets of eyes, two in the middle and, and then a set of, of three to six in each corner of the front of their head. Uh, and so they're arranged like in a triangle. Some people have hypothesized that they use the triangular array of eyes to look up into the night sky and navigate by the stars.
0: Oh, my stars. Now, for those who enjoy a good crossword puzzle word or are choked for conversation on a long car ride, navigating by stars is called astromenotaxis. Astromenotaxis. There,
1: you know that now. Uh, and then they have claws that they use mostly for, for grabbing onto prey. Like in some scorpions, they just use the claws to to grab their prey. They don't ever actually need to sting them because they have these big chunky claws. Like picture those uh, those big black uh, emperor scorpions that you see in the movies all the time. They have these huge claws up front and they almost never use their tail and their venom's not very toxic. Mm-hmm. But other scorpions have these really slender, thin claws, and they really just use those for manipulating prey items and mostly use the tail and really powerful, super toxic venom for disabling their prey and escaping predators. Claws in the front, tail in the back, and at the very end of the tail is the stinger. And the stinger is a looks kind of like a bulb, Mm -hmm. like a light bulb, and uh, at the end of that is a hypodermic needle. And inside of the bulb is a a layer of secretory cells, so cells that secrete toxins. Mm -hmm. And it's surrounded by muscle that allows them to squeeze those toxins out of the cells and and into the hypodermic needle that they use to inject into their prey.
0: Okay, so their venom bulb is kind of like one of those little squirty things you would jam into your ear hole to flush out funky chunks. Only it's A nerve toxin made by DNA that they probably had for something else, but evolved it to become venom. So what is in this exactly?
1: But the really crazy thing is that their venom is not just one thing. It's actually a complex cocktail of all sorts of different components. And they have things like antimicrobials in there, uh, enzymes that break open tissue and help them digest. And then they also have these complex neuropeptides. And neuropeptides are basically things that when they interact with your nervous system, tell your nerves to either send a signal when they're not supposed to be sending a signal, or they inhibit the the transmission of signals between cells.
0: Neuropeptides, by the by, are chains of amino acids that form these protein-like molecules that your nervous system uses to communicate. And the neuropeptides, bind to receptors and activate a bunch of events inside a neuron. The neuropeptides in venom can jack that system by cutting off the neurons from talking to each other or sending signals when they shouldn't be talking. So venom is like when someone grabs your phone and starts DMing people it shouldn't or withholding a text from your boss. Okay, what if you're like a cricket and you don't have a boss or a phone?
1: Ooh, what does that do if you're a prey? Yeah, so if you're prey... What it might do is disable you, keep you from moving, send you into a seizure, really just incapacitate you very quickly so that you can be eaten and make baby scorpions Mm -hmm. with the energy that you get from your prey. But if you're a predator, what it does is it sends pain signals to your brain, telling your brain that you're on fire. Oh my God, we're having a fire sale. Oh my God. When you're really not. And that, that pause, that signal interruption caused by the scorpion venom allows the scorpion a moment to escape from the prey while the predator is reacting to this signal that it's it's forcing its body to send to itself.
0: What types of scorpions have venom that is powerful enough to,
1: say, incapacitate, like a dog or a human? Like, how much do they get a bad rep? Yeah. Well, they get a pretty bad, bad rep. I would say overall, there's like, tw- so far we've discovered about 2,500 species of scorpions, give or take. Uh, and about 25 of those are something that are a concern for a healthy human. And there's, you know, maybe a dozen or two more that are a concern for people that have a compromised immune system or are elderly or, or very young. So, the majority of scorpions, that means like less than 10% of all scorpions are something that are really dangerous that we need to be worried about. But that being said, all scorpions do have a stinger mm-hmm. and they can jab it into your body and they can inject things that are in their venom. But oftentimes those things are more mild than a bee sting or a wasp sting.
0: Oh, okay. Okay.
1: Let me step back and say there's two major groups of scorpions. Mm-hmm. There's a, a group called the boothid scorpions. It's it's one of the oldest lineages of scorpions, and it also has the, the greatest number of species compared to all the other lineages. And those ones all make neurotoxins that affect mammals. So oh. they ha- they make neurotoxins that can interact with our nervous system.
0: Again, these are the Buthids, and I looked everywhere to find out where the name Buthid comes from, and I think it's from the Greek for ox or cow because their stings were thought to be real cow killers. Again, boothids.
1: And then all the other scorpions are non-boothids. All the other groups of scorpions. And all those guys typically don't make neurotoxins that affect mammal nervous systems. But
0: considering the reputation of scorpions, they do carry some dramatic names like the black spitting thick-tailed scorpion or the man killer or death stalker. These kind of sound like 1970s carnival rides.
1: But scientific names are Jumped up by the scientists that first recognized that species as being a new species. Have you gotten to name any? I have, yeah. What? Yeah, we discover new scorpions all the time. There's like maybe 50 or so added a year to oh my God. our knowledge. <laughs> now,
0: when you're discovering scorpions, I understand that there are black lights involved.
1: There are, yeah. So tell me everything about why they fluoresce under black lights. So so scorpion, all scorpions fluoresce. It's a, a, a trait universal to scorpions. What fluorescence means basically is that that there's a, a a pigment in the exoskeleton of scorpions that's embedded in there. It's called cormorin.
0: So side note, cormorin is often found in plants, and according to this Wikipedia prose, it has quote a sweet odor resembling the scent of newly mown hay. It's also found in cassia cinnamon, in fake vanilla, and in perfumes. Oh, and it makes venomous arthropods glow like ravers. Anyway. Cormorant.
1: What it does is it, it takes in light waves just from light, ambient light, and it excites those white, those light waves and, and then projects them back at a higher wavelength. Um, so that's what causes the fluorescence. It's not like sh- like a reflection or it's actually like an excitation of light beams. And, and so they all fluoresce this bright, like neon, s- toxic sludge green under a ultraviolet light. And we don't really know why they have this feature. There's there's a few possibilities. One, it's just a byproduct of how their exoskeleton forms. Like the, the process in which they form their exoskeleton creates a fluorescence. Or alternatively, it has like a function that, that's helpful for them. And there's a few possibilities. One that's been proposed is that it's a whole body light detection system. Oh my God. So it allows them to detect when there's light, which I, I think... Could very well be, but also they have eyes, so typically they can see if there's light outside or not. So it could be another function as well. The other functions that have been thought up are that it's a way to tell other animals that they're dangerous. Like bees are black and, and, and yellow, and that black and yellow is like a, a sign that they're dangerous. Scorpions are active at night, and at night colors don't show up very well. And things that are active at night can't see very well in color. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so many things that are that are doing things at night have a have evolved greater UV um, capabilities. And so, flowers that bloom at night have a UV pattern that attracts pollinators. Mm-hmm. So scorpions that are active at night might want a UV pattern to say, hey, wait, I'm dangerous and you should stay away from me. Like a warning color. Or they're actually trying to mimic something else, like a flower, and attract things so that they can eat them. Oh,
0: my God. So those are all the possibilities. Do you think that their ancient ancestors that were
1: ginormous could fluoresce? Well, there is some... A geologist mentioned that... There's some really well-preserved fossils that preserved cuticle and the cuticle fluoresces.
0: Oh my god! So, side note: this is due to their glowing hyaline layer in their exoskeleton. Also, did you know that horseshoe crabs also glow under UV light? If someone wanted to go out and look for critters at night, do you think getting a black light and just yeah things out
1: yeah i mean like in some places i saw them at home depot you can go on a scorpion hunt and the thing is the trick is to go out at night because one you can't really see see anything with the black light during the day because it's not a very bright wavelength of light Mm -hmm. so it gets washed out by daylight and two scorpions are nocturnal so they're active at night not not during the day
0: now what about scorpions in movies or pop culture is there any movie that really does a good job with scorpions or one that really gets your goat
1: Um, You know what? Like, I feel like they're always, the the problem I have with movies and scorpions is that they're always very inaccurate. Okay. (laughs) Like, why in every single movie does it have to be the the emperor scorpion? Emperor scorpions are from tropical Africa. (laughs) They most definitely do not live in deserts. There's definitely no black scorpions living in a, like, white sandy desert. Uh It doesn't exist. They want to blend in with their environment. They're not trying to stand out like black on white background. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Are the emperor scorpions easier to handle? Yeah, I mean, they're really common in the pet trade, and Mm -hmm. actually, for that reason, they're the only scorpion that's considered to be threatened or endangered. Ooh. Like, they can live to be 25.
0: Yeah, I feel like lay off the scorpions.
1: Yeah, like lay lay off of them. Yeah. And the other crazy thing about scorpions that I always, that I'm, that I was struck by when I first learned about them is that they, the moms give birth to live babies. That was my next question.
0: I've seen a picture of scorpions that are just have a backpack full of baby scorpions. Yeah. What is
1: happening there? Uh, Yeah. So while their courtship starts by the, what we call a pas de deux, they actually dance. They do like a ballroom dance. They're actually quite, uh, refined animals. So the males approach the females and grab onto, their hand they face her and grab onto her hands and then they do this like dance like back and forth where he like leads her back and forth oh my god (sighs) gestation period you ask seven to nine
0: months similar to a human or up to 14 months for emperor scorpions
1: what troopers Mm -hmm. and once they give birth she does this thing called a birth basket where she arches her back up and makes her arms into like a circle like kind of touches her hands together and makes like a little circle. And so they'll crawl up her hands onto her back and then they'll stay up there for, uh, depends on the species, but they'll stay up there until they've molted for the first time. So they've shed their exoskeleton and and gotten a little bigger. And and in that first period, they kind of almost look like a little larval still, like they don't look like a normal scorpion. But as soon as they have that first molt, they look just like a little tiny miniature scorpion. So they just hop off and they're like, toodaloo. Yeah, like, they'll kind of start coming off her back and then getting back on for a little bit. But in some species, they do kind of live semi-cooperatively. Like, they're still living together in the same area for a long period of time. So, the mom's actually, like, will live in a burrow with the babies. Aww. I don't know, like, months? Years, maybe? Mm -hmm. And they'll just live around each other, and they tolerate each other really well. And then she gives birth anywhere from two to, I think, the upper limit that anybody's ever recorded is, like, one. Forty, like high one forties. Wow. Maybe let's say one fifty. Call it even.
0: One hundred and fifty babies.
1: That would be like a lot, and they all pile up on her back. What a party! Yeah. And now scorpion party. Now, what is some flim flam about scorpions that you
0: would like to debunk? What
1: are some myths that you're like? Let's get the record straight, people. Well, okay. Here's a few. Here's a few things you need to know about scorpions. Okay. One, they can't jump. Oh, okay. It's just a thing. They don't. They don't jump. They can't walk. They can. They can walk on some vertical surfaces if they're like grainy, like like a rock that has little micro areas to step on. But otherwise, like something that's slick, like windows, they could never walk on a window. Okay. So they're gonna have a hard time getting to you if you see it from like like three feet away. Like you don't have to run away. It's not gonna (laughs) be able to grab you. So
0: with the exception of Arizona, some parts of southern Nevada, and some parts of western
1: New Mexico, Lauren says... In the U.S., there are no scorpions that w- w- you have to be concerned about. Oh, okay. Like, worst case scenario, it feels like a wasp. Even those ones in Arizona, like, they f- if you're a healthy adult, you don't have to worry. It's not going to kill you. It will just hurt for a little bit. Okay. <laughs> it you might feel like a little more like a, an electric shock than a wasp sting. Okay. But if you're a child, you want to be safe and not be playing with scorpions in arizona just rule of thumb uh so that's a that's a thing um i have so many questions from listeners can i ask you yeah okay so before we get to your patreon
0: questions a few words from the folks who sponsor the show and one thing about having ads is it makes donations to a cause of the ologist choosing possible so this week it's to Islands and Seas. This is a nonprofit that Lauren founded with Eric Steiner. And Islands and Seas is building these small field stations that serve as research facilities for scientists in the area. They also serve as centers for science and environmental education for nearby schools. They have internships for teenagers interested in science, field guide training. Ah, so good. IslandsSeas.org. That's Islands, plural, Seas. Dot org. So thank you, Lauren and Eric, for starting that. Now a few words about sponsors, making that donation, and the production of this very show possible. Oh, KiwiCo. We love you. Kids love you. Parents love you. Uncle Allie's love you. Here's the deal. So whether you're staying at home or you're heading out on some summer explorations, KiwiCo is inviting kids, also kids at heart, that's you, to enjoy their first ever WeCo.com slash Ologies Summer. That's 20% off your summer adventure at kiwicocom slash Ologies Summer. Oh, have fun. Oh, hi, it's me, the lady that checks a bunch of scholarly articles before she believes anything, Allie Ward. And I feel like we are similar in that we have a fair amount of skepticism and we like to dive deep and find out what the actual facts are. This is why when it comes to any kind of supplements, I enjoy Ritual, which is a female-founded B Corp, meaning that they're holding themselves accountable to not just the company, but also to the health of people in our planet. And they're clinically backed essential for women at 18 plus multivitamin has these high quality traceable key ingredients in bioavailable forms that are clean. Only about 1% of supplement brands are USP verified and Ritual is one of them. So I like being able to trust what I'm putting in my body. From an aesthetic standpoint, I'll also tell you that Ritual are beautiful little vitamins. They look like lava lamps and they taste like mint. So taking my Ritual is part of my, I guess, morning ritual. I, that's probably why they named it that and I didn't even think about it. Anyway, no more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. So get 25% off your first month at ritual.com ologies. You can start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash ologies for 25% off. Down the hatch. Okay, back to your questions. Okay, so this is kind of like a lightning round. Okay, Sonia Karpilevich wants to know, should they be kept as pets? And if yes, do they make good pets?
1: I see. I'm going to say yes. They should, should, there's no reason they shouldn't be kept as pets. But like all things that are kept in captivity, I think it's really important to have captive bred ones. Uh, because then that keeps people out of the natural ecosystems from co- over-harvesting, over-collecting for the pet trade. Mm-hmm. So there are some, like, quite a few species that are really common in the pet trade and are bred in captivity. So if you want a scorpion as a pet, don't go get it out of your backyard. Leave it there. It's doing something important in the ecosystem and rather buy one that's been captive bred by by a breeder. Okay.
0: Emily Hawkins has a question
1: about the waste management system. Where is the butt? Do they pee? <laughs> they do. They have just like a single kind of cloaca thing that has that excretes everything. and They don't have like separate pee and poo mm-hmm. situation. Um, and that, so it all comes out from right before the stinger.
0: Oh. Wade Lee wants to know, is it true smaller scorpions are more venomous in general? Smiley face emoji.
1: It depends on where you are. So it's not a simple yes or no answer. In some places, smaller scorpions are, belong to that one group, Boothity, so they are more venomous. Mm-hmm. But I would say in general, a better frame of reference is if they have thin hands and either a really long or a really fat tail, they're probably more venomous. And if they have big, fat hands and their hands are much broader than the width of their tail, then they're less venomous. Ooh. So it's not like the overall body size, but the proportion of hands to tail situation
0: so counterintuitively big pinchers less scary and now best thing about scorpions best thing about your job what do you love Uh, you know i
1: love my job because i get to wear so many hats and i'm at an institution that feels i'm at an institution that was such a good match for me which is why i wanted to work there um the california academy of sciences is is i think a an incredible museum because it's Equally committed to science outreach, which is something I love doing, and like really high quality science research. Mm -hmm. So for me, those two aspects of my work life, I always felt like I was going to have to give up one for the other. Mm -hmm. But I found a really great fit. And I think for me, that's like the the great thing about going to work every day is they love all the things I'm doing, including running a little nonprofit that's focused on conservation and doing a visibility campaign for queer scientists. And it's nice to be somewhere where I can bring all of me mm-hmm. to the job.
0: Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, thank you. Oh, my God. This is great. So ask smart people questions, because how else would we ever find out that scorpions are 450 million years old and were once the size of like a couch? What? What? To learn more about Dr. Esposito's endeavor, you can find her on Instagram at carabales. More links will all be up at aliward.com. Slash ologies slash You can follow ologies on Twitter or Instagram at ologies. I'm on both at Allie Ward with one L. Also linked is allieward.com slash smologies, which has dozens more kids safe and shorter episodes you can blaze through. And thank you, Mercedes Maitland of Maitland Audio and Jared Sleeper of Mind Mindjam Media for editing those as well as Zeke Rodriguez-Thomas. And since we like to keep things small around here, the rest of the credits are in the show notes. And at the end of the episode, I give you a piece of advice. And this piece of advice sounds simple, but it's huge. And that is that you are enough as the person you are and you are wonderful as you are. And anyone who is worth being your friend already loves you the way that you are and you don't have to change to make anyone happy. So just be yourself and the right people will come to your life. Okay, that's my piece of advice for you. Took me a long time to learn it, but it's important. All right, bye-bye.